By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his faith, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. We're looking at faith's examples laid out in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, We began by looking at um, Abel, and then we looked at Enoch. This week we're going to look at Noah. And uh, each person exhibited their faith or had their faith tested in a little bit different way. And so we'll look at Noah this week. He was the great-grandson of Enoch. Let's pray. Lord, help us to understand uh, what is in your word. Uh, Lord, help us not to... Uh, take anything out of context, help us never to take anything out of context, but to simply uh, teach and and explain and, uh, Lord, understand uh, what you have given us in your word so we can apply it to our lives. Lord, it's a shame that so many people attend, Lord, even this church, they hear truths, but they never make any real changes in their life. Help us not to be guilty of that, Lord, tonight. Where we hear something and where you identify something in our lives that need to change, may, may we be quick to begin that process. And may we persevere until those changes are complete. And Lord, the end game, may we be like you. May we be men and women of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, now abideth, these, uh, now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, these three, the greatest of these is charity. So you have three things, faith, hope, and charity. I love what we're doing uh, this year at White Oak Baptist Church. We're spending time on uh, charity on Sunday morning and Sunday evening, Sunday morning with a series and then Sunday evening with going through First John. And then on Wednesday evening for a good long time, we're going to be going through over faith as we cover each one of these examples in Hebrews chapter 11. And I, 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 we looked at Enoch last week and saw how that his faith was so intense It was so strong, his walk with God became so real that God just took him on home to heaven. God just said, let me bring you on up. Now, I don't know if I brought this point out last week. I think it's a great point. Uh, And so if I I did, it would be worth bringing it out again. If not, then I should have, and I'm getting it out now. Uh, Have you noticed that Enoch was translated or raptured to heaven prior to the flood? Just like the church will be translated to heaven or rapture to heaven prior to the tribulation. And we have an Old Testament picture of what Christ is going to do with the church. I think that's really, really neat. Now, I know there are folks who believe that the church gets raptured halfway through the three and a half year mark. There are people who believe they get raptured at the end of the tribulation, but prior to supposedly God's wrath falling. Uh, We hold at White Oak Baptist Church to a literal reading of Revelation and believe it is a timeline and that the church gets raptured out prior to uh, the tribulation. But anyway, Enoch was taken to heaven uh, before the flood, just like the church will be taken to heaven uh, before the tribulation. This week we turn our attention to his great-grandson, Noah. Last week we saw how that Enoch's faith had a great impact on his family. And because of Enoch's faith, Noah walked with God. And Noah, uh, God would show grace on Noah. And Noah would be the one that would bring about the salvation of humanity. Had Enoch not walked with God, there's a good chance Noah would not have walked with God. And the importance of heritage, Christian heritage, and living that out. We're going to see that uh, also, some of that tonight. And so let's dive into the life of Noah. And let's see uh, how he 
lived by faith and how that we can live by faith. Point number one, fill out your outline there if you can as we go. Notice Noah's walk. Noah's walk. And we're going to be going back and forth between Hebrews 11.7 and then Genesis chapter 6. So I'd put a marker in both of those places if you can. And, and we'll be flipping back and forth throughout the, the Bible study. We'll be exclusively in those two chapters, or uh, those two areas. Genesis 6, a little bit in 7, and then uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Letter A, notice, love for his God. Love for his God. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and look at verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and mature, or the Bible word perfect, in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. He loved God. He loved Him deeply. He loved Him intensely. Noah walked with God. If you contrast that uh, to just a few verses above, in fact, look at verse number 1 of Genesis 6. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, um, and daughters, uh, says there, were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which, notice those last two words, they chose they chose so the problem here is that mankind is exercising their free will and they're making choices that do not please the lord it was never god's intent for the sons uh, of let's see the um, the sons of god to mingle with the daughters of men we're not going to get into a theological discussion tonight of who the sons of gods were and who the daughters of men were because th- that is there's a million different ideas out there that's not really the purpose of the bible study tonight but notice those last two words they chose. They got into wrong marriages that didn't please the Lord, and that's how a society becomes undone. When people start getting into marriages and start getting into relationships that are unequally yoked, that does not please the Lord. Look at verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. I'm reading these verses so you get a contrast with Noah, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God is so up to here with humanity and their behavior and how they have just outright rejected him. Their, their, their imaginations are only evil continually. He says, I, I regret that I ever even made man. And then he looks down and there's Noah. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because Noah loved his God. Let me ask you a couple of questions uh, to ponder. And you can write these down if you'd like to. Uh, write down the ones that you think w- would apply to you. The first question I want to ask you this evening is, is this. Do you daily walk with God? In my notes, I have it written down here. Do I daily walk with God? And that's a simple yes or no answer. Is there a time each day where you crack open the Bible and read it? Is there a time each day where you bow your head and pray? If you lived in Noah's age, and by the way, I don't think we're quite there yet, but we're heading that direction. We're heading that direction where it is, the world is getting to where it's even more and more iniquitous, right? And so there needs to be a contrast in the way we live our life. For Noah, it began by a daily walk with God. 
Verse, uh, verse 9 there says that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Then the next question I have for you is this. If you answered yes to do I daily walk with God, uh, here's the next question. Am I walking by faith? Am I walking by faith? It's not just enough to open up your Bible, read three chapters, close it, mark off some sort of uh, sheet, bow your head and pray the same prayer, basically that you've prayed for 20 years or 10 years or even uh, 10 months, and, and, and then say, well, okay, I'm done and walk away. That's not walking by faith. That's walking by habit. That, that does not necessarily please the Lord. We don't read our Bible and pray just so we can say to God, check, I did my Christian duty, I'm done for the day. You walk with God because you want to spend time with Him. So, Noah's walk. Uh, love for his God. Let her be noticed. Leadership of his family. Leadership of his family. Hold your place in Genesis 6 and go back with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. To the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Go back to Genesis chapter 6 and uh, look with me at verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. And perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now go to chapter 7, and look with me at verse number 7. Chapter 7 and verse 7. And Noah went in, uh, speaking of the ark, and Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark, because of the waters of the flood. Now contrast Noah with Lot. You may remember that God didn't just send destruction uh, Noah's way. He also sent destruction Lot's way. And when Lot went in to convince his children to leave, his married children wouldn't go. You know why? Because Noah was righteous and Lot was backslidden. Now, Lot was saved, but Lot was backslidden. And when he went in, they laughed him to scorn. They said, you are as one that mocks. You're not believable. Uh, There's no credibility with you because of the way you've lived. Whereas Noah was able to convince not only his wife, but his three children. And then they married three pagan girls. They had to have been pagan because all the rest of the world was pagan. And converted them over to believing in in, in this uh, uh, vision of a flood coming. And was able to get the eight of them on the boat. Do you understand the leadership that Noah had to have to convince his wife to get on the boat and then to convince his three children to get on the boat and then to convince their wives to get on the boat? This was nothing short of strong leadership skills on the part of Noah. Now I want to look at everyone here this evening and I want to ask you a question, especially those of you that lead a family. Maybe you, your kids are grown and you're just leading a wife. Uh, maybe you still have children at home. Maybe you're going to have children one day. Whatever the situation is, are you in charge? Are you leading? You say, well, I, I tell them all the time I'm in charge. If you have to tell someone you're in charge, you are not in charge. If you have to say, ah, oh, you do what I say, I'm the husband. You do what I say, I'm the mom or I'm the dad. You're not in charge. You say, well, pastor, then how do I lead? You lead by your example. You don't let little junior tell you when you're going to church. We have a trend, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit on Sunday morning when we look at loving my, loving my children. But we have a trend in America where we let our kids set our schedule. 
You know what? I never set my parents' schedule. There were times where I'd go to bed at 8 o'clock. Times I'm 5 years old. I'd go to bed at 10 o'clock. Why? Because there were things going on, and my parents were not going to let me dictate the schedule to them. They were going to dictate the schedule to me. And you know what? They didn't care how I felt about it. I just went along with what they wanted. And if I didn't like it, I got thumped on the back of the ear, or thumped in the back of the head, or thumped on the backside, and I learned to live with it. We have a whole bunch of parents today where you're not the parent. The child is the parent, and you cowtail to them. You bow down to them, and you cannot let the children call the shots. Otherwise, and, and again, little children, little problems. Big children, big problems. They're going to grow up one day. And those little problems that that, that 7, 8, 9-year-old are presenting, wait till they're 17, 18, 19. It won't be so little anymore. You're going to wish you had gotten under control when they were little. When uh, Sunday morning comes, it ought to just be automatic that your family gets up, gets dressed, and goes to church. And you say, but, uh, but such and such is sick. Check their temperature. If there's no fever, they're getting in the car, they're going. You just, you just have to have, you have to have standards. And your children are watching you. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it many more times. You say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm faithful enough to church? If your children have to ask you, are we going to church today? Then you're not faithful enough. It ought to just be on Sunday morning, you get out of bed, and the children just start getting dressed. Because they just know it's Sunday, we're going to church. They ought never have to ask. I never asked my dad if we were going on a Wednesday night. Our pastor, when I was a little guy, uh, was old school. I mean, I was, uh, this has been 1988, 1989, and he was in his 70s. So he was born like early 1900s. And this is Mississippi, uh, agricultural area. And so he was from the days where you'd have like a month-long tent revival, right, where they'd put up a tent during off-season, crop off-season, and you'd go to church 30 days in a row. That's how he grew up as a little guy. And so he didn't make us do that as a church, but we would have revival from Sunday to Sunday about four times a year. Sunday to Sunday. It wasn't the Sunday to Wednesday stuff. And you know what? He expected you to be there. And if our church had a revival and that door hinge was moving, my dad had my little five-year-old backside on the pew. And I'd fallen asleep and all. He'd thump me in the ear and say, hey, hey, preacher's preaching. You wake up. You sit there and listen. And, and we need more of that. You know what? Noah led his family. He knew where he was going. He plotted a course. And he said, the world may be going to hell in a handbasket. I am not going to let my children go that way. I'm not going to let my wife go that way. God has called me to lead, and I'm going to lead. And you know what? We wouldn't be here today if he hadn't. Because Noah was 600 years old when he got on that boat. I don't think he was going to be doing a whole lot more procreating. After he stepped off the boat, he needed his three children and their wives to be on that boat so you and I could be here today. Aren't you glad Noah had some leadership? And we need leadership. You know how Noah led? He led by faith. His children looked at their dad and said, dad is a great man of faith. And you know what? It's real. It's real. Um, Letter C. Let's lead into the next point here. Letter C. Notice loathing of the ungodly. That word loathe means to greatly despise. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number 7. We'll come back to Genesis 6. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Look here. By the which he, speaking of Noah, condemned the world. Noah condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness which is by faith. 
So Noah condemned, he hated the world around him. And that reminds me of what we just went over on Sunday evenings a couple uh, weeks ago. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Look with me at um, Genesis chapter 6 and, and look at verse number 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. He hated sin. By the way, the question under letter B, am I leading my family to live by faith? Am I leading my family to live by faith? These are questions I had to sit down and ask myself this week. Where can I improve? Do I walk with God? Am I walking by faith? Am I leading my family to live by faith? Not only are they seeing it in me, but am I helping them do it as well? The loathing of the ungodly. Part of the reason why Noah, please, please listen to what I'm about to say, especially if you still have children at home. Uh, uh, or you have influence over grandchildren. Please listen to what I'm about to say. Part of the reason why Noah was so credible with his children is because who Noah was out in public, Noah was at home. Noah hated sin out in public. Noah hated sin at home. Noah wasn't this two-faced guy who acted one way in front of uh, uh, everyone else and acted differently at home with his kids. And I'm telling you because I am, I've grown up in church my whole life and I have seen it. And while I've never been a drug addict, while I've never drank and smoked, while I've not experienced a lot of the world, I can tell you as someone who grew up in a Christian home, I can tell you what I have seen. I have seen just about it all, but the one thing I think has driven more children out of church. They turn 18 and they run from church. And I, I'm not saying that this is the case every time, but I'm telling you it's one of the major factors is mom and dad act one way at church and another way at home. And your children see right through that. They see right through it. And I'm going to tell you, they turn 18 and they think, I'm not going to play that sham church game my parents played. I'm just not going to go to church anymore. Part of the reason why I am standing here this evening and preaching to you is because my dad was genuine through and through. When, when, when music came on the TV that didn't please the Lord, he muted the TV. When we were watching a program and someone took God's name in vain, he turned the TV off. When someone cussed, he changed the channel and didn't turn it back. Uh, if somebody was dressed on the screen in a way that was immodest and, and, and was lust, lusty, he, he would change the channel and rebuke us for having looked at it. I remember one time I was watching TV, I was probably seven, eight years old, and this woman reached down to pick something up and showed her blessings, and, and I stared. And man, my dad picked me up by the back of my shirt, my toes barely dragging the ground, took me to my room and wore me out. He wore me out. You know why? Because my dad was saying, it's wrong, it's wicked, and we're not going to do it. And he was consistent my whole childhood. He wasn't perfect. My dad made mistakes. I could sit here and list them. That wouldn't be honorable to him. But one thing I'll say about my dad, he hated wickedness. He hated it in private at home, and he hated it while we were out in public. And he made sure he raised us to do the same. And because of that, I saw my dad as a man of faith, and I wanted to follow his example. Look, your kids are watching you. And when they go to church and hear, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, in Sunday school, and then go home and hear you take God's name in vain, you're, you're sending mixed signals. You're not showing them the right way. And like it or hate it, your parents or your children are going to follow you before they follow the Bible. So you need to make sure you're doing your very best to live this book. 
It's a tall order, isn't it? But we need to do our best. Here's something else I'll tell you. is If you mess up, you need to sit your children down and make sure they understand that the Bible is right and you are wrong. And you need to apologize to them. There have been more than once I've sat on a bed with my children and I have said, Dad lost his temper or Dad said this or Dad did that. And Dad was wrong. Dad has gotten on his knees and told God he is sorry. And I want, you, I want to apologize to you as well because I did not set a good example. You know what I'm doing? I am showing them that God is in charge of me. And when I fail, I need to apologize to him. And when I fail, you don't look at me and use an excuse for you to do it. This word must stand. Noah's walk. Noah walked with God. His walk with God was real. It wasn't a sham. It wasn't phony. It was real. He hated sin. He loved the Lord. And he was real in front of his kids. And because of that, when the flood came, they got on the boat with him. And I want to ask you this. Make it really practical. A flood is coming one day, but not of water, a fire. God is going to destroy this earth with a fervent heat. The end of 1 Peter says, we looked at it last week uh, when someone asked a question. The rapture is coming one day. We don't know when. Are you preparing your family for that day? We don't have a flood coming, but we do have an impending judgment of God on this earth. You must lead your family the way Noah led his. Number one, Noah's walk. Number two, notice Noah's warning. Noah's warning. Look back with me at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7. If I seem um, a little more fired up this evening, uh, it's because I am, I am concerned. I'm just being very honest tonight. I am concerned about the families. Uh, I, I am, and it's not just this generation. Back to my generation, parents didn't, didn't do it right. I look at, I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, I feel lonely. I'm 36 years old, I'm in church. There aren't too many 36-year-olds in church. Especially that were raised in a Baptist church. A lot of kids raised in Baptist churches, they're either in a contemporary church or they're not in church at all. We've got to fix this. We've got to do this right. It's, it's time that us as parents quit playing games. Where we want to look spiritual in front of everyone else, but our kids see us as a total fraud. They know. And I'm, again, I'm not saying every child that runs from church at 18 had a parent that was a fraud. But in a lot of cases, that's what happened. It's time we get this right. It's time that our children start to see a dad that's on his knees, a dad with a tear running down his face from time to time, not because he's a coward or a wimp, but because he loves God and he has a tender heart for the Lord. It's time our children see a dad that's devoted, a dad that's serious about this, a dad that's not just doing this as it's convenient or as it fits his schedule or as it fits around making money, God comes first because the world is wicked and I'm called to love him before I'm called to do anything else. Noah's warning. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. By faith Noah being warned of God, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Okay, go back with me at, uh, to um, Genesis 6, and notice letter A, I, this is God speaking, I am disgusted with the wicked. I am disgusted with the wicked. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that, this is a strong statement, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God said every thought that these people think is wicked. 
You know, any thought that's not thought in faith is, is wrong. Any thought we think that's devoid of God is a godless thought by, 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 by default, right? If I'm thinking a thought that doesn't involve God, it is godless. And that does not please the Lord. It disgusts the Lord. Look at verse 6. How bad was it? And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. I can see God the Father sitting in heaven, weeping. I don't know that God literally wept. We know the Holy Spirit grieves. um, But God is a spirit. I don't know that God sat in heaven and wept. But but just go with the metaphor for a minute. I picture this is the case. God is so grieved that over the wickedness of man... um, Here's a, here's, a, here's a powerful thought. Everything I think, everything I think and everything I do, the Lord knows and sees. I can't hide anything from God. can't hide anything from God. Um, ladies, every time you see something that you're not supposed to have and you want it, it might be hidden in your heart. God knows. Women aren't the only ones that do that. Men do it too. Men, every time a woman walks by or comes across your screen, whether that's your television or your phone, and she's not dressed appropriately and you look with lust, it may be that nobody knows, but it grieves the heart of God. Now, again, lust is not, even sexual lust is not exclusive to men. Women do it too. It does not please the Lord. God knows. It got so bad on planet Earth that he looked down and he said, I wish I would have never even made Adam or Eve. This was not what I intended when I created them. Why did God make Adam and Eve? Well, I've talked about that many times as the pastor here. He made them for his fellowship. He wanted to walk with them and talk with them. And no one was doing it. In fact, they had all chosen to think evil thoughts. God looked down and he saw wickedness and he said, I, I'm grieved at what I see. I am disgusted by what I see. Here's a question for you. Do I see sin the way God does? Do I see sin the way God does? You see, as Christians, we get aloof. We get used to our sin and we kind of shrug our shoulders at it. Yeah, you know, I, I can't help it. It's just I'm a sinner. That's what I do. Oh, no. We ought to loathe, hate sin the way that Noah did. Letter B. God says, I will destroy the wicked. I will destroy the wicked. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created. From the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. Look at verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The earth that they worship, the earth that they love, the earth that they enjoy so much... The earth that they have turned to and and, and ignored me, I'm going to use my creation to destroy my creation. And we know how he did it. He sent a flood and and everyone died. Everyone died. Um, 
I, I have often had people ask me, how could God allow someone to die of cancer? You know, we prayed for that child earlier in the service who needs a liver transplant. I sure hope she gets it. I believe the baby's name is Charlotte. I sure hope baby Charlotte gets that liver transplant. But how could God let a little baby get sick? You know, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. We live in a sin-fallen world. Even nature cries out for the Lord to come and restore order. We live in a broken world that Adam brought through his sin. Because of that, God has allowed sin to destroy. Now, things got so far out of hand, God said, I'm just going to kill them all. I'm just going to wipe them all off the earth. Let me ask you a question. Maybe ask yourself this question. Do I fully understand God's wrath against sin? Do I fully understand God's wrath against sin? I think part of the problem with, uh, with us as while we let habitual sin continue in our lives, we really don't get how much God hates sin. We really, really don't understand how much it grieves him. Look, it, it, it was to the place where God was willing to just kill everybody. And everything, that's how much God hates sin. By the way, another way you can know how much God hates sin or God's wrath towards sin, look at hell. He's willing to send people to hell who die in sin. That doesn't point to an unfair God. That points to how just God is and how much he hates sin. Letter C, I will, God says, I will deliver the righteous. I will deliver the righteous. Go back with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number 7. There's just so much in this verse. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the, way, by, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness which is by faith. God looked down at Noah and saw a man who was living his life by faith. And it said, he is going to become an heir of this righteousness. I will deliver the righteous. Now, this is a great place to make this point. The ark is a picture of the cross. The ark is a picture of salvation. Now, to be, uh, to be true to the context of Hebrews 11.7, the point is being made to the Hebrew readers that Noah was not saved by his works. Noah was not saved by Judaism. Noah was saved because he had faith in God. Because of his faith in God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Righteousness was laid on his account because he believed. Because of his faith. And God looked down at his faith and he delivered him. Look at Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou in all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. How, you'll, you'll hear someone say that to be saved you must be in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Second Corinthians 5, uh, 7, I believe it is. 7, 17, 7, I think it's 7. tells us. Uh, so, what's that mean to be in Christ? We're in Christ the way Noah was 
in the ark. Noah got in the ark and he was saved. You know what that was? That was faith. God said, Noah, you better get on that boat or you're going to die. And you know what Noah did? He got in the boat. And God is saying, you know what? You better be in Christ or you're going to die. You're going to be destroyed. And you know how we get in Christ? We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And I believe all of you here have done that this evening. I trust all of you have done that. But uh, the Lord delivered the righteous. Are you seeing the parallels between the life of Noah and the Christian today with the impending judgment of the tribulation? Boy, if we want to escape, if we want to avoid the wrath of God that will be poured down on man, we better walk, we better be saved by faith. And then furthermore, we need to, if we want to truly parallel Noah, we better live our life by faith. God says, I will deliver the righteous. So we've looked at Noah's walk and Noah's warning. Let's finish by looking at number three, Noah's work. Noah's work. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. I want to highlight a part of this verse here. We've read over many times, but I want to point out here. By faith, Noah, uh, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Look at that next phrase. Can we read those next three words out loud together? You ready? Moved with fear. Moved with fear. His faith caused him to fear. Because he had faith in God, he feared God. Don't miss that. That's so important. If you really do have faith in God, there will be such a strong reverence for him. You will do what he says. If I were to uh, bring my son in the room right now uh, and stand him here, I could get that boy to do just about anything because he fears me. If I told him to do 50 jumping jacks, he'd do it. I told him to drop and do 25 uh, uh, push-ups, he'd do it. Or he'd hurt himself trying. <laughs> he would do everything he could to please me. You know why? He has faith in his dad. He fears his dad. He fears his dad. You know why? Because God has given his dad a deeper voice than his mom. And dad says do something with a deeper voice, and they do it. Occasionally, I'll call my children because I, you know, I need them to do something for me. They're not in trouble. But I'll just, Matthew, come here. April, come here. And they come to me, and I could tell by the look on their face and their body language, they're, they're thinking, am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? And it's like, no, I, I, you didn't do anything wrong. I need you. But I have no problem with that. Some parents say, well, oh, you, you're, you, what have you done to them? They're, they're intimidated by you. No, no, no. They fear me. And that's good. It's good. They ought to hear my voice, and they ought not be afraid I'm going to always just hurt them, but they ought to know when Dad calls, it's serious, I need to get there. And that is the relationship God wants to have with you. God wants you to fear Him. He wants you, when He calls your name through His Spirit, to to, to sit straight up and say, Yes, sir, what can I do to please you? You say jump, and I say how high. You say jump, and I do it right away. It's not I'll get to it eventually, I'll do it right away. Let's get into that. Noah's work. Notice letter A. Uh, Rather, first throw that quote up on the screen. We looked at this a few weeks ago when we began Hebrews 11. Faith enables the Christian to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. This was... uh, True, maybe more so for Noah than anyone else in Hebrews 11. Let's read that again. Let's read it together. Ready? Faith enables the Christian to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. 
And so the future as present. Think about this. God comes to Noah and he says, I want you to build a gigantic boat in your backyard. I'm going to send rain. And Noah says, what is rain? It's water. It's going to come up from the ground and down from the sky, and I'm going to cover every mountaintop, and if you don't build this boat, you're going to die. You know what? Uh, You say, well, Pastor, yeah, we know the story. Okay, let's say you didn't know the story. Let's say God came to you and said, I'm going to rain gumballs down on the earth, and, and, and you better go to the highest mountain and build this rock refuge or you're going to die. I'm going to kill everyone with gumballs. And you go, really? You're going to make gumballs cover the earth? What? You see, Noah, Noah lived as though the future was now. Noah lived as though the invisible rain was seen. He put in the work. He put in the work. Let me just say this. You and I, we cannot see... The, the, the tribulation. We cannot see the impending judgment. But we need to live as though it's coming tomorrow. Letter A, his focus. His focus. Um, when I was a, a school teacher, actually I got this when I was in the ninth grade. My teacher said this. And I use this all the time as a school teacher. There are two things you need to do to be successful in life. This applies to us today as adults. Pay attention to detail. Follow directions. If you can pay attention to details and you can follow directions, you can be successful at almost anything you put your hand at. Pay attention to detail, follow directions. You work in the insurance world. You got to pay attention to a lot of details. You got to follow directions. See? And that's how you get successful. You, you repeat that. Angela, you sell, you make and, and sell signs. You have to pay attention to a lot of details. You have to follow a lot of directions. John, you sell real estate. It's a lot of details. You better be paying attention to those details. You better follow the, the right order to do that. Uh, Carlos, you design, right? It's a lot of detail there. You were going to school for that for a short time, right? Taylor, there's a lot there, right? You, you prepare food, Elizette. Yeah, you're a great cook. There's a lot of details there, right? Jake, you work on helicopters, there's a lot of detail there. You, you got to really follow those details. How, how important was Noah's job? He had to build a boat that had to work when the earth was getting covered with water. Below his focus, notice compliance with the uh, compliance was immediate. Compliance was immediate. Look at Genesis chapter six and verse three. Oh, I'm going to make a great point right here. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is a flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. So Noah, from the time he was told, to the time the first water drop fell out of the sky, he had 120 years to get this built, boat built. Put the next uh, slide up there for me. That's a picture of the ark in Kentucky that was reconstructed. To literal size. Now they did that with modern tools. Imagine you've never built anything before. You have none of the modern tools. You have to build that. You have to build that. You have to go get a specific type of wood. And you have to follow orders. 
Here's the point I'm making. Noah didn't wait to year 100 to get started. Noah started work immediately. His compliance was immediate. Now, Christian, leave that up there for me. Christian, you don't need to start obeying God's word when, when you're ready. You need to start now. Too many Christians, well, when my kids get to this age, I'll do this. Uh, when, when I'm this old in the Lord, I'll start doing that. No, 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 no. Jump in two feet first all the way and go for the Lord. What are you waiting for? Jesus may come back tomorrow. Noah was focused. God gave him a task and he jumped at it. Now, God's not going to come out of the sky and speak to you audibly and give you something to do. But he's given you a book and said, here it is. I have a duty for you. I have a task for you. Go forth and live it. And your compliance needs to be immediate. Your compliance needs to be immediate. Um, a question for you. Uh, rather, you can ask yourself this question. Do I know God's plan for my life? If you don't, I would say begin with what's in the Bible. Next, am I proactive or am I passive in accomplishing that plan? Uh, uh, below that, notice his efforts were intentional. His efforts were intentional. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. Stay engaged here. Look at verse 16. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is uh, in the earth shall die. Look down at verse number 22. Thus did Noah according to all, all, all that God commanded him so to do. Look at chapter 7 and verse 5. And Noah did according unto all... That the Lord commanded him. Boy, those details were important. His efforts were intentional. What do I mean by that? He paid attention to details. He really went at it. What if he had said, you know, I can't get enough gopher wood, and so I'm going to go with this wood instead. A pitch, it with, a pitch it or put tar on it within and without. You know, I'm going to put it without, but I'm not going to put it within. Uh, three stories, we're going to go with two stories. Uh, a window here, no, no, I'm going to put the window over there. If he had messed up one detail that God had given him to do, he very well could have died. He had to follow exactly what the Lord wanted. Christian, I, I, I'm just going to say this. It's high time that we quit procrastinating to do what God has for us, one. And two, it's high time we quit doing what God wants for our lives our way, and we start doing it His way. Hey, do not pick and choose. Do not, if it feels like I'm taking you all behind the woodshed and giving you spanking this evening, I'm sorry, okay? Do not pick and choose, the, God bless you, the commandments in the Bible that are convenient for you and ignore the rest. You must take the whole counsel of God and work to live it. All of it. You say, well, but I, I, I am not comfortable with this truth. 
Do you think Noah was comfortable building a boat? Do you think Noah was comfortable with going and finding... Listen, Noah didn't just have to learn how to be an architect. He had to learn how to take care of animals. He learned how to run a zoo. And he had to learn how to lead his family. And he had to deal with the ridicule of everyone else around him. But Noah didn't, he didn't pass out at the task. He stood up and he said, I'm going to focus and I'm going to get it done. Christians, we have to focus. We don't focus on what God's called us to do because we're distracted. It was Moody that said, it isn't success in life that I'm afraid of. It's being successful at the wrong thing. We're going to wake up one day and realize, yeah, I've been successful, but things just really don't matter. His efforts, Noah's, Noah's efforts. Notice below that, or rather Noah's focus. Notice below that, letter B, uh, his family. His family. Look back with me at uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 18. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. Look at chapter 7 and verse 6. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Make sure, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, that as you are serving the Lord, you are not leaving your family behind. I've seen a lot of men, especially pastors, do this. They devote their whole life to helping a church, and they neglect their children. I've seen deacons do this. They're all in at whatever's going on at the church. They don't involve their children. I'm so glad that when I was a little boy, my dad was a bus captain. And every Saturday, we would go out and knock on doors and, uh, and, and invite boys and girls to ride the bus. And then on Sunday morning, I'd get up and I'd go ride the bus with him. And he'd have me help him. And I was really too little to do it, but he'd have me do it anyway. You know, he was doing the work of the Lord. He had me right there doing it with him. And I give my parents a lot of credit uh, because I know me. I, there's not a lot of good about me. But my mom and dad poured into me to say, we're going to do ministry and we're going to do it together as a family. Letter C, notice his fight. His fight. Let's finish in chapter 11, verse 7, where we began this evening. We'll wrap it up with this. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark uh, to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness which is by faith. That phrase right there, of things not seen as yet. Noah, and I think that we get used to hearing this story, and it makes up a cute little children's book, and it tells well in a little kid's class. Try to put yourself in Noah's shoes for me. Everyone just take a moment and just try to put yourself in Noah's shoes. If you're a woman, try to put yourself in Noah's wife's shoes. For 120 years, he woke up every day and went out and built a boat. Do you know the strife he must have experienced during that 120 years? You think his children at some point didn't look at him and say, Dad, what are we doing? This is stupid. 
We're building a boat and we're being mocked and made fun of by everyone. Dad, there are hotels across the street that have been built because tourists are coming to come see us and laugh and make fun of us. Because of this gigantic ark, this boat that we've built. Dad, we're the laughing stock of the world. You, you think Noah didn't have challenges and struggles? He had to fight through. I'm looking at men and women in the room uh, today. For you just to get up and come to church is a fight. Fight the fight. And don't ever stop fighting the fight. And win the fight. For some of you to get up and read your Bible tomorrow morning is going to be a battle against your flesh. You already got to be out the door early as it is to get to work. Fight the fight. Noah didn't quit. God looked down at Noah and said, you know what, there's one man that when the going gets tough, he gets going. He gets up and goes. He is a man of faith. He is a man who will fight. He will fight the enemy and he will love his family and he will know how to lead them. And that's what we need this evening. We need men and women, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, uh, husband and wife who will say, it's going to be tough. I'm going to have battles within my camp, within my house. I'm going to have battles from without my house. But at the end of the day, I'm going to stand and I'm going to lead. Uh, if you're here this evening, I think there's a couple of you in this boat. You're here this evening and you're single. Lead yourself. That's a battle on its own, isn't it, sometimes? Just learning to lead yourself. When you have other people added into it, it gets even more complicated. But you must first learn to lead yourself. Fight the good fight of faith. And be like Noah. I hope one day I stand in the presence of God and I, I don't expect to be on Noah's level. I'm not going to save the world from a flood. Uh, I'm not going to build a boat in my backyard. Uh, I don't foresee that happening. But I hope one day God looks at me the way he looked at, way look at Noah and say, he walked by faith. He walked with me. He listened to my warnings in scripture and he put in the work. Let's be men and women of faith.